0: Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
1: And I am your co-host, Austin.
0: And if you're new here, this is a podcast where I tell Austin some true crime stories and events that he has never heard of, and he gives you his most genuine and authentic reaction.
1: Because quite frankly, I don't really love crime, and Kelly is obsessed.
0: <laughs> typical, Your typical household couple relationship, I feel like. Probably this so. It's pretty common. Pretty common. Before we get started with today's episode, we have some shout outs. Let's go. First of all. What are the shout outs for? Well, f- I'm going to tell you. <laughs> our first shout out is for my sister, Ashley. Today is her birthday.
1: Hey, happy birthday, Ashley. I had no she idea. She
0: has reached level four. Oh. Yeah. Level four. Go, Ashley. It is your birthday.
1: Heck yeah. Happy birthday, Ashley.
0: And our next shout out is for my dear Aunt Sarah's. Good friend, Sharon Cook, who is a regular listener of our podcast. Really? Yeah, which is super cool. Hey, Sharon. Hi, Sharon. And then we have some new Patreons that we're mm-hmm. going to shout out. Let's go. Okay, so we're a little bit behind on Patreons because I decided I'm only going to end like shout out 10 per episode. Otherwise, it just gets really long. So we're a little behind. So if you are new, if you're a new Patreon, don't worry. Your shout out is coming. Just, you know, hang in there. So Shaylee Hoffman. React, please. You get the whole
1: list and i cheer.
0: <laughs> you can't just like change it up willy-nilly like that. I am. You have to keep this it is consistent. America. Keep it consistent. Shaylee Hoffman. Woo-woo. Michelle McCauley. <laughs> you. Jessica Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Jensen. Let's go. Dana Madsen. Booming. Kylie. Yep. Savannah Z- Zalea.
1: Thanks, Savannah.
0: Uh, Samantha Louise. Yep. I love the name Louise.
1: Yeah. I
0: also love the name Eloise. Oh, so precious. Stephanie Overfield, Mandy Fott, Asia Fugate, and Jennifer Money.
1: That's that's a cool last name.
0: I mean, yeah, it doesn't get much cooler than that. He's money is attracted to me. All right, so today's case was recommended to us by April Ledesma. She sent in a request through our website, momandmystery.com. And in her request, she writes, quote, I'm from Kentucky, y'all. Literally it says that <laughs> I had to do it. Okay. <laughs> my request, my request would be a long one but so very worth it. The stories in Bardstown, Kentucky haunt us all. The disappearance of Crystal Rogers is one that has gained nationwide coverage, but they are still looking for answers. Anyway, I love listening to your banter and you so eloquently cover cases. I appreciate my giggles and information you all give, end quote.
1: Nice. Well, shout out Kentucky and let's go.
0: Thank you very much, April, for this recommendation. So, okay, I wanted to include one last little anecdote before we get started. There is just something that I have always loved and admired about a Southern accent. You know this about me. I
1: think the Southern draw is pretty cool.
0: I think so too. And this should probably embarrass me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. And you already know this story. But when I was young, I found this card table in my house. So I took this card table and I set it up in my closet. It was one of those like small brown card tables with a cushiony top, you know? So anyway, I shoved it into my closet and I set up a cup with sharpened pencils and one of those electronic pencil sharpeners. And then I would just sit at the desk and talk on my pretend phone with a pretend Southern accent. And I literally pretended like I was just a very important businesswoman with my pencils and my accent because all the very important businesswomen surely had a Southern accent.
1: That's hilarious. I forgot about
0: that. So I'm not sure how I arrived at that (laughs) conclusion, but I will just never forget it. So every time I hear a Southern accent, I just get so jealous.
1: Well, like a year ago, we were in South Carolina and I was talking to this female that was working in a store with Kelly right next to me oh, man. and she had a Southern accent. And I said, where are you from your accent? And she was like, hey, "Here."
0: I'm from here. And I was like, I was like you like, are so embarrassing. Oh, go, go sit on the curb and just wait for me. Right on. That's pretty much what happened. So today we are talking sit about... on
1: the curb and just wait for me. <laughs> You're rude. You're
0: so embarrassing. Let's roll. Where are you from? I mean, come on. We were in Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville. Okay. So now we're talking about Bardstown, Kentucky. Bardstown, Kentucky is literally your quintessential small town USA. It is known for being the bourbon capital of the world with 11 distilleries within 16 miles. Bardstown has also been named the most beautiful small town in America and USA today with picturesque streets that would rival a Norman Rockwell pa- painting. It's hard to say. Norman, Norman, Norman Rockwell. Norman
1: Rockwell. I'd like to have a Norman Rockwell.
0: And it's even been awarded the title of Best Place in the South to Raise a Family.
1: Oh, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Nice place.
0: Yes. And the population is like mid-13,000, so it's really, it's really small. But, um, yeah, raising your family in, like, a perfect small town is exactly what Crystal Rogers was trying to do. She just wanted to raise her five kids and provide for them the best life possible. Crystal Rogers was born on April 4th of 1980. She was raised in Bardstown, Kentucky, herself. Her parents, Sherry and Tommy, were so proud of their daughter and always knew that she would be an amazing mother because of her love for children. She was close with her mom, but she was especially close with her dad, Tommy, just a classic daddy's girl. And when Crystal started dating, her parents were pretty protective, always wanting the best for her and expressing concerns. If she maybe met a guy that just wasn't good enough for her, but Crystal did eventually get married. And with her husband, she had four kids, three girls and one boy, but unfortunately the marriage did not work out. So she became a single mom of four, sometimes working two jobs just to support her children. As a mother, she was protective, but not strict. She was laid back and had a close relationship with her kids. She was an excellent, excellent mother. Then she met her boyfriend, Brooks Houck. So Brooks was clean cut, professional, and well-mannered. He made a really good impression on Crystal's parents having long conversations with them at their kitchen table he owned his own construction business, Select Quality Homes, as well as a lot of rental properties, upwards of 130. Damn,
1: dude was balling.
0: Yeah, his family is slash was is/was well known throughout the small town, and at one point, Brooks actually ran for sheriff. So Crystal and Brooks had a little boy together named Eli. But once Eli came into the picture, it became more clear just how Brooks truly viewed Crystal's other children. For example, if they'd go grocery shopping, he would pay for the groceries for Crystal and Eli, but not for her four other children. Pretty shitty. Yeah. He insisted on keeping it separate. And the kids could probably feel the discrepancy between how he treated Eli versus how he treated them. So on Friday, July 3rd of 2015, Brooks has admitted that they had a heated conversation about the way that he treats her other children. And the next day, one of Crystal's daughters, Kylie, called Crystal's mom, Sherry, because she couldn't get a hold of her mom. Sherry tried calling Crystal, and the call would just go straight to voicemail. So she started calling some of Crystal's friends to see if anyone had heard from her, but everyone said no. So then Crystal's sister, Brooke, couldn't get a hold of her either and said it seemed like maybe her phone had actually been turned off. Now, at this point, Sherry kind of becomes unraveled. She just knew something was seriously wrong. This was completely out of character Mm -hmm. for her daughter, and she knew that Crystal would never leave her kids, let alone not answer them when they called. And when she saw Brooks with Eli, but Crystal nowhere in sight, she decided to go to the police station. Crystal was so attentive to Eli, she was never not with him. So to see Brooks with him alone was pretty unusual. So she went to the police station. Casey Crystal's brother went with his parents to file the missing persons report. And while they were at the police station, Crystal's ex-husband, ex-husband's son said that he thought he saw her car on the side of Bluegrass parkway with a flat tire. So they drove out there and sure enough, her burgundy 07 Chevy Impala was there pulled over on the side of the road. Her purse was, phone, and keys were all still inside the car. Not a good sign. No. One of her tires was pretty low, which would make you think that she pulled over because of that. It wasn't completely flat, but it definitely was low. But her family insists that if her tire was just low, she never would have pulled over until she found a safe spot. She had driven on a totally flat tire before and damaged the rim because she just didn't want to pull over until she knew she was in a safe place. So her family got the inclination that maybe she didn't drive the car there. And those suspicions became even stronger when they noticed that the driver's seat was in a position that Crystal never drove. It was pushed back like someone taller than Crystal was driving. Mm -hmm. So one of Crystal's cousins reported seeing her on July 3rd walking out of a Walmart with shopping bags at about 4.30 p.m. And she was also caught on surveillance inside the store. So immediately Crystal's parents dedicated their lives, their entire lives, to finding Crystal. Tons of friends, families, and volunteers aided in the search for Crystal, and they intensely searched the area where her car was found. For Tommy, the disappearance of Crystal was extremely painful, not just because she was his little girl, but because he'd actually experienced this before. Back in January of 1979, Tommy's sister Sherry was killed by her baby's father because she was about seven or eight months pregnant and he didn't want to have to pay her $25 a week in child support. Oh, that's terrible. And eventually the man who helped him dispose of her body was arrested for another crime and cut a deal for leniency leading them to her body in the woods. So Tommy practically became like a lead investigator in the search for Crystal. He followed up on every single lead and he kept all of his findings in a box within his home that he never shared with anyone. He never let it out of his sight. On July 8th, Brooks was brought into the Nelson County Sheriff's Office for questioning in Crystal's disappearance. And this interview was video recorded, and during the interview, Brooks tells Detective John Snow that the night before she disappeared, they left the house around 7 p.m. to go to his mom's farm to feed the cows. He claims they were there for a few hours while they fed the cows, walked around the property, burned a brush pile, all while carrying baby Eli around with them, and it was raining. So, like, how are you starting a fire if it's raining? I mean, I've watched Naked and Afraid. I know it's hard. Like, I know it's probably not impossible, but that just kind of confuses me. Like,
1: That part doesn't throw me off as much as just that's a lot going on at once.
0: It's a lot going on, but also you're carrying around your baby, like, in the darkness and it's raining. Like, That's what I'm
1: saying. Like, I'm picturing that situation. I'm picturing it being dark, walking through brush in the woods, it sounds like, holding a baby. It just seems like a lot.
0: Yeah, that is a lot. Um, so he, and it's raining and it's raining yeah so he admits that they didn't leave until about midnight and got home at about 12:20 a.m. and then he went straight to bed and said that Crystal stayed up for a bit playing games on her phone but she was in bed with him the next morning when he woke up he said that Eli was next to him but Crystal was not there and he also admitted to detective snow that at times their relationship was stressed but that they always found themselves back together And at one point during the interview, he mentions Crystal's cousin, Sabrina, and how often if they would get into fights, she would go spend the night there. But there's been discrepancies with that statement because her family says, and Sabrina has said, that anytime she would come over, even if she was upset, she would only be there for one or two hours at the most, but not actually spend the night. Mm -hmm. So that's a red flag. Um, So then about an hour and a half in to the interview, Brooks receives a phone call from his brother, Nick, who is a police officer with the Bardstown Police Department. So I'm going to play you just that clip from the interview. It's an hour and a half long, but this part, I think, is important. Hello? No. I'm
2: up up here. I know that you didn't know. I'm up here in this interview with um, the detective, Detective Snow. I've been up here a good little while i I'm, I'm filling out this uh this statement here and everything mm-hmm. do, is it are you telling me that are you telling me that's what I need to do? I know, I, I know, I, don't, I know, I, I, I'm not, I know that, but the way that I look at it is I, I'm innocent, I ain't done nothing wrong, well, you know, I know you've told me innocent people have got jammed up, but if you're telling me to leave, I'll get up and leave, if you want me, if you want me to, I know I'm going to a lot, but I'm trying to get this guy to help me. I don't think she's ran off with some other guy. I don't, I don't believe that. You can't make me think that. No. yeah, I mean, I mean something. I so, so, so do I. I'll do exactly what you're telling me to do right now. Do you want me to get up and leave? Man, I don't think these guys. I don't think, I don't think these people got a vindictive just to, to skin me for no reason. Man, this is not their family. This is not. A, He thinks y'all going fuck. Is what he thinks. I don't know who he is. Nick, my brother. Mm-hmm.
0: So just to clarify, that was a phone call conversation that Brooks took in front of the investigator who is interviewing him about Crystal's disappearance. He answers the phone and it's his brother, Nick. And Nick is a police officer with the Bardstown Police Department. And so you can kind of hear Nick on the other end, you know, but you can't tell what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way he's having this conversation in front of the investigator is just kind of odd to me.
1: I think it's a little weird, but I guess without more context to the story, I don't really get personally any like big red flags from it right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So here are the few things that I found odd about this. First, the way he answers the phone with, I know you didn't know I was here, is just kind of like scripted to me. Like the way he instantly like answers, hello? No. Yeah. No, I know you didn't know I was here. It's like, what did he even say to prompt you to say that? That part was strange. Because it was such a quick answer. Yeah. And then the way he's talking about the police right in front of an officer just seems even more scripted and bizarre. And
1: does he say, "Are they gonna bust me"?
0: No, he said. I I'm, I can't quite tell exactly what he says on that very last clip, um, but he's you know saying, oh, "Well, I'm innocent, and I'm trying to get these guys to help me," and like the oh, way I'll that leave. he's yeah, and the way he's talking so casually to his brother right in front of this investigator is kind of like. I don't know. It's just a little too too scripted for me to be like, I know I'm innocent. I got nothing to hide. I'm here because mm-hmm. I want them to help me. Like, yeah, I don't it's know. It's weird. It's just a little bit weird. Um, but what's even more shocking is that his police officer brother is telling him essentially not to cooperate. Like, that is so against the code of, like, ethics among police officers to to be an officer yourself and encourage someone not to cooperate in a disappearance, you're doesn't, screaming guilt.
1: Doesn't that make you think, though, that that guy thought he was guilty and he should shut up?
0: I mean, he yeah, or maybe he knows something. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, July 9th, Nick Hauk testified in front of a grand jury, which led investigators to suspect his involvement in the disappearance of Crystal Rogers. His police cruiser was confiscated and processed, And then the lead detective in Crystal's case called Nick and asked him to come in for an interview, but he refused saying, I have nothing to tell you. July 10th, police chief Rick McCubbin spoke to Nick and gave him strict orders to cooperate with the detective. But Nick pushed back to the police chief, okay, saying that if he knew anything, he would have already told him. I cannot imagine, like, you're a police officer and the way you're talking to your chief like Mm -hmm. that. I I mean, that just kind of appalls me. Uh, July 15th, Nick was then interviewed by Kentucky State Police and agreed to take a polygraph test. So they agreed that he would take it in five days on the 20th. But when that day rolled around, he refused to come in saying he was off duty. And then four days later, Nick was on duty, when the FBI asked him to come in again and take a polygraph test. So he takes the test, and the examiner goes to Nick's police chief, Rick McCubbin, expressing his, quote, grave concerns with the results. Nick failed the polygraph test, and it was determined that he lied on two questions. Do you know where Crystal is right now? And are you hiding any information about what happened to Crystal? He failed both? hmm He failed both of those questions. It's a problem that's a problem. Now, real quick, I want to take a moment to shout out our sponsor for today's episode, and that is BetterHelp. So as a working mom of three, it can be so hard to balance everything that life throws my way. Laundry, dishes, car rides, practices, games, homework, all on top of trying to provide you all with the best true crime podcast can be a bit overwhelming. And for a while, it was really hard to balance it all. And the pressure became all consuming. And before I knew it, I realized I put myself on the back burner and I needed some help. I just wasn't operating at my full potential as my best self. When you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to, but working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. I first started using BetterHelp about two years ago, and I especially liked the freedom of being able to just message my therapist whenever I got a chance. Also around here, it can take about two months to finally get in with a new therapist. And then you just kind of have to hope that you'll like them because it's going to be even harder to find a new one, but with BetterHelp, you'll get connected to a therapist right away. And if you don't vibe with them, you can switch at any time at no additional cost. I truly believe everybody should see a therapist, not just people who suffer from trauma or a big life-changing event. Therapy can really help you learn positive coping skills, set, setting boundaries, or even organizing your life. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. So visit betterhelp.com slash mama mystery today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com slash mama mystery. Now back to the disappearance of Crystal Rogers. So about a week after Crystal disappeared, her sister Brooke said, quote, the stories don't add up. You don't go to bed one night and not know she's gone and not worry that she left the baby. He has not offered once to search or help or do anything for the family. Now, this was right after Nick appeared on Nancy Grace answering some tough questions. And I know Nancy Grace is kind of like people love her, people hate her. But I'm, I'm not I'm, a fan of you. I, I used to be a big fan. I don't really know how I feel about her anymore. I don't really pay, pay enough attention.
1: I've only seen her like five seconds of talking, and I think she's annoying. <laughs> like a lot of people think I am. We're both not for everybody. That's perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys have that in common. Um, but real quick, I am going to play a clip from that interview because I just think that Brooks' answers to her questions are interesting. Well, we all look forward to that, Kelly.
3: Joining me right now, in addition to her parents, uh, Tom and Sherry Ballard, her boyfriend that she lived with, they're in their three-bedroom suburban home. Brooks Hawk is with us. So, Brooks, you go to bed, and she's still playing games on her phone. The next morning, around 8 o'clock, you notice that she's missing. Did you report her missing? No, ma'am. Why?
4: That is a great question, and one that i definitely... I want to hit the uh, the public and the media. Um, I was not, in the least little bit, alarmed in any way, shape, or form. Um, We have had a stress relationship at times, and uh, one of the ways that Crystal has always chose to uh, cope or to deal with that is by going to uh, a young woman's name, Sabrina. That is her cousin, her dad's brother's daughter, whom she's very close to. Um, and she spent the night there on several occasions.
3: When you say several, do you mean one, three, twenty?
4: In the neighborhood of four to six.
3: Okay. Is, like that. To, Tom and Sherry Ballard, were you aware of that? Do you know who Sabrina is? Yes, that's, ma'am.
4: That's my niece. She's,
3: okay. Did you know that she goes and spends the night over there when she's having an issue at home?
4: I've known probably one time.
3: Right. Okay, I want to go back to Brooks Houck, um, who was the last person to see her alive. Brooks, did you go on to the July the 4th get together that day?
4: Yes, I did.
3: Even though you didn't know where she was? Well,
4: I was expecting, I put in a phone call um, that morning and then around lunch and usually, uh, the maximum period of time that she has stayed gone has only been like a day to a day and a half, at the most. And as a result of that, I thought that she would. Did you try um, to call her? Us. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, ma'am.
3: Did you try to call her during that time?
4: Uh, not while I was there. Um, there at the um, at the fourth. Um, I caught her prior to leaving to head in that direction. Yes, ma'am.
3: Some people have accused you of not being involved enough in the search efforts. What's your response?
4: That is a great question, and one I certainly appreciate you asking me. And that is uh, all of my efforts in searching for her have been done behind the scenes um, with the Nelson County Sheriff's Office.
3: Like what? De-
4: detective, uh, detective Snow, who's leading the investigation, and Jason Allison is a deputy there assisting him, along with the Kentucky State Police uh, Agency Post Number 12. So well, all my my, my question was what you
3: had been doing with them, but let me ask you this. I know that you agreed to take a polygraph. Did you pass?
4: They, because of the way that the lines or whatever were on the thing, they determined it to be, what's called inconclusive. I'm not exactly sure what that means, um, but they did tell me it didn't. It does mean that I wasn't lying or I didn't pass it or I didn't sell it. They just ruled it inconclusive, and that's exactly the way that it stands. I've been 100% completely honest um, with everyone. I've been 100% a cooperative, and everything that has been asked of me, I've not asked for any kind of legal advice or assistance or an attorney of any nature. Um, I'm 100% completely innocent in this, and I have exhausted my efforts with the law enforcement agencies uh, to gather all the facts necessary um, to allow me to have a clean name again. Um, And that's very important um, to me. I have not responded to a lot of the negativity and all this animosity because I want the emphasis to remain on Crystal's safe return home, and that's where I want it to. Uh, I want it to stay focused in that area rather than dealing with any of the animosity.
0: So that's pretty much where it ends.
4: I think
1: when people don't call in their wife missing when you wake up,
0: mm-hmm. very weird. Very very like, weird. Red
1: I, I don't, flag. And I'm trying to be like you know, put my shoe on the other foot and say, well, maybe they just, like, I don't know. I think of our relationship and I'm very grateful it's good. Yeah. But like, I think of like, maybe these people fight all the time and they really do just take off and it's like, whatever. I mean, so like maybe, but as me sitting here today, I'm going to say, if I wake up and you're not there
2: you're and calling I don't people. hear from
1: you um, and I can't get a hold of you, I'm calling the police within, I mean, a half hour. Yeah. I'm saying a half hour to say, like, I guess I'd exhaust all options calling around, but, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, would you call the police if I was gone?
0: Yeah, like, if I just woke up and you weren't there and you didn't tell me where you were going and, like, nothing, you know, out of the ordinary happened... Because so like he says that she's next to him playing games on her phone, you know, there was no indication that she was going to go to Sabrina's. He's guessing that, you know, he's like alleging, just guessing that maybe she went to Sabrina's because that's something he says she did. However, Sabrina said that happened maybe one or two times and she would only stay for like an hour or two. And I just – I can't help but think that she probably would have told him that's where she was going. When
1: was she reported missing? Do you remember?
0: Like two days later.
1: Okay, that's – so I was going to say – And
0: not even by him, by her family.
1: See, so I was going to say if if maybe they just have a really shitty relationship and it's normal that they go not talk. But like if he still hasn't heard from her by the evening, Mm -hmm. the afternoon, like that's still crazy to me. But like at least then pick up the phone.
0: Yeah. Well, and they, not even in regards to their relationship, but the relationship she has with her children, she wasn't answering any of her children's phone calls or text messages. She was constantly with Eli. Like she spent every moment with Eli. She was very involved with him as her mother or as his mother. And so... That should have thrown up so many red flags when she mm-hmm. would just leave Eli and not come back or say where she was going.
1: And then never be able to get, a, she, he can never get a hold of her. Yeah. Yeah, that's out there.
0: Now, on August 15th, Crystal's parents took Brooks to court in an attempt to get some sort of custody arrangement over Eli. They hadn't seen Eli since Crystal disappeared, and it was just tearing their hearts to shreds. So they filed for grandparents' rights and partial custody. After the hearing, Crystal's dad, Tommy, said, quote, he made eye contact with me. I made eye contact with him. I just want to see my grandson. I'm not worried about anybody but my grandson and my daughter, end quote. But this was only the beginning of a long, drawn-out custody battle. On September 9th, Police Chief Rick McCubbin gave Nick Houck a suspension letter indicating his intent to fire him. In the letter, Nick was accused of violating the City of Bardstown Police Code of Conduct, Bardstown Personnel Policies, and the Kentucky Law Enforcement Council Code of Ethics and Canon of Ethics. He also charged Nick with lying or concealing material information, immoral or improper conduct, insubordination, and official misconduct. So on October 15th, a hearing was held in the mayor's office to discuss Nick's possible termination and chief McCubbin said, quote, Nick just does not need to be a police officer. He has violated everything we stand for in law enforcement and quote, the mayor of Bardstown agreed. And Nick was fired the next day on October 16th, the same day that Brooks was officially named as a suspect in the disappearance of crystal Rogers. Now in another interesting development, an employee of Brooks was arrested and charged with perjury in reference to crystal's disappearance in December of 2015. That's when he was arrested. Danny Singleton was not only working for Brooks, but he was a close friend to him. He testified about the case in front of a grand jury. And it was later determined that he lied while he was on the stand, but I haven't been able to find exactly what it was. He lied about. All I know is that it's in regard to her disappearance. So in 2016, there didn't seem to be a lot of developments in the case. Things kind of slowed down until June when potential new evidence came to light. Early on in the investigation, a witness came forward and told police that on the night of July 3rd, he got off work around 10 PM and on his way home, spotted the Impala on the side of the bluegrass parkway. And he also noticed a white car, maybe about a mile up the road in front of it. The next morning he passed by again and saw the same Impala, but there was no white car. Another witness also came forward saying that he was out hunting on the night of July 3rd, and he was on the back part of the farm that Brooks said he was at that night when he noticed a white Buick parked in kind of a strange area on the farm. He just thought it was odd and wanted to let somebody know. So he reached out to Crystal's family with that information. To figure out more information about this white Buick, they went to Facebook and they asked if anyone had any kind of information on it. Shortly after, Tommy got a phone call saying that Brooks and Nick's grandmother, Anna Whitesides, owned a white Buick. But coincidentally, right after that Facebook post, she sold it to a dealership. So she was subpoenaed to testify before a grand jury because it was believed that the car could have been used to dispose of Crystal's body and that she sold it in an attempt to conceal potential evidence. But Anna refused to talk, invoking her Fifth Amendment right. So in August, the Nelson County Sheriff's Office, Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, and the Louisville, Louisville, not sure how you pronounce it. I know it Louisville. goes both ways. Yeah. Metro Police know. Department searched 300 acres of the Hawk family's farm with at least 14 cadaver dogs. But what came of that search is unknown, as the police are very cautious about releasing much information in this case in an effort to protect the integrity of it. And then three months later, tragedy struck the Ballard family yet again when on November 19th of 2016, Tommy made plans to go hunting with Crystal's son, Trenton. Trenton said that as they got out of the truck and started walking around toward their hunting spot, they came around a corner, and Tommy put his hand out to stop Trenton. And it seemed like Tommy maybe noticed something in the tree line, so he raised his rifle to check through his scope, and the moment he did that, he was shot in the chest. What? Killing him instantly right in front of Trenton.
1: I just got the goosebumps. Hardcore. Haven't got them in a long time. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So as authorities investigated the scene, they quickly noticed an open area of the tree line that had been freshly cut. Austin, multiple limbs were freshly sawed off, like leaving this big open tunnel, you know, in the tree line, mm-hmm. and it obviously created a clear path from the field to the other side, which lined up to the Bluegrass Parkway. It became clear someone planned this attack and sniped Tommy that Holy morning. Holy shit! This was a small town, and it was not unusual for many of the locals to know who was hunting and where. I mean, they owned this property for so long. It wouldn't have been that out of the ordinary for someone to know that that's where they hunted. It's deer season, rifle Mm -hmm. season. Like, somebody knew exactly where Tommy was going to be that morning, but who? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Shockingly, this isn't the first time that a man has seemingly been hunted down in Bardstown. On Saturday, May 25th of 2013, so this is before Crystal ever went missing, Officer Jason Ellis was on his way home from work. He was working for Bardstown Police Department at the time, and he had just finished his shift. It was Memorial Day weekend and about 2 a.m. when he exited off Bluegrass Parkway and came upon a pile of sticks and branches in the middle of the road. So he put his cruiser in park, and he got out to clear it off from the road, And as soon as he picked up the first branch, someone from right up on the, like, cliff beside the road shot him. What? They shot him with a 12-gauge shotgun right in that side opening of his bulletproof vest. So I just want to point out that, like, this had to have been somebody who knew his route, who knew that he would have stopped to clear the brush, ...off the road, and the pile of sticks looked so planted like it was bait. Somebody knew that he would stop, get out of his car to clear the brush, offering them a perfect target.
4: And
1: then shot him on the side where his bulletproof vest wasn't covering.
0: Where they knew an opening would be. That's crazy. Jason Ellis was very well-known and well-liked. Everybody liked Jason. Even people he had arrested in the past came to his funeral to pay their respects. He was the life of the party, very sweet. He had two boys, Hunter and Parker, with his wife, Amy. He lived, breathed, and played baseball. He played for his high school, where he was a first-team All-City in 1998. And then he was Player of the Year in the Queen City Conference. He also played for the University of Cumberlands in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and in the minor leagues for the Billings Mustangs in Montana. But his all-time favorite team was the Cincinnati Reds. Jason was also a canine officer, and his dog was named Figo. Figo was an active narcotics dog that led to a lot of arrests. And it just so happened that the cruiser he was in that night was not equipped for a canine, so Figo was not with him. But at his funeral, Figo is pictured resting his paw on Jason's casket. Oh,
1: that's always such a sad image. Mm,
0: The picture is heartbreaking. And after Jason's death, the department retired Figo, and Figo went to live with Amy, Hunter, and Parker... And then with, uh, with Amy's mom, before Figo ultimately passed away a few years later, and his ashes were placed in an urn at the base of Jason's headstone. To this day, no suspects have been named in this case, and a potential motive is still unclear. Then, nearly a year later, in April of 2014, a 48-year-old teacher, Kathy Netherland, and her 16-year-old daughter, Samantha, were brutally murdered inside their home. Kathy had been shot multiple times, and Samantha suffered blunt force trauma to her head, and then both of them were stabbed in the neck. There's also been reports of the two being tied to chairs and tortured during the attack. But to this day, no suspects have been named in this case either. And a potential motive is still unclear, although there has been mention of a possible gang initiation.
1: This reminds me of like Skidmore, Missouri, where it's just weird stuff going on. Skidmore yeah. is probably more strange stuff where even even though this is different, mm-hmm. this sounds more frequent, like even there's more.
0: Well, and I think we're going to have to cover Skidmore one of these days, but Skidmore is a small town in Northwest Missouri that's known for a lot of crime. We've covered the case of Bobby Joe Stinnett Mm -hmm. and Lisa Montgomery, and that was like early on in our podcasting days that we covered that case. Um, But there's also been, uh, is it Ken McElroy, I think is his name. He was shot in broad daylight in front of a bunch of people, but he was the town bully. So even though people witnessed the shooting, nobody would come forward to say who did it.
1: That's wild. I've never heard it.
0: Yeah. He was, he was, for lack of a better word, an asshole. And everybody knew it. He treated everyone like shit. He treated people's pets like crap. And then finally, people in the town just had enough, shot him in broad daylight right in front of his girlfriend. And to wow. this day, nobody has come forward to say who did it. And then another kid, Branson Perry, went missing, just mm-hmm. vanished. And there have never been any, like, leads or suspects or arrests in that case either. Mm-hmm. And that was a really unusual case also. So just a lot of weird things going on in Skidmore. And what is the population of Skidmore?
1: Like, got to be, like, like five. Hundreds. I mean, it's yeah. tiny. Yeah,
0: 225.
1: 225.
0: And all of those things are happening in Skidmore. I mean, we're going to have to do an episode on it because mm-hmm. it's just crazy but a lot of people think that something similar is going on here like there's some sort of conspiracy why are all these things happening how are they connected are they connected um I, I don't know you know i've i've seen and heard multiple reports about Jason Ellis's death being a planned attack because he was figuring out or getting close to figuring out who was behind some burglaries in the area but he was also Um, you know, he had this narcotics dog, they made a lot of drug busts and arrests. And so maybe it could have been someone from like a cartel that was taking him out. I mean, literally like the theories are kind of endless Mm -hmm. and it's hard to know. It's hard to even know which direction to look at. But, um, Nick Houck was a police officer at the same time. They often worked the same shift, but there's no indication that he had anything to do with it. It's just... It's a small town, and you see these things happen, and you can't help but try to draw one line to the other, right? Mm -hmm. So after Tommy's death, the community noticed that signs for Crystal started going missing. Signs were put up all over town, urging people to help find Crystal or even just to keep her memory alive so that people would not forget about her case. But one person seemed to really want it forgotten, and what a coincidence. It was Brooke's new girlfriend, Crystal Maupin. Also named Crystal, <laughs> so it gets confusing. But Crystal Moppin was caught on video taking "Pray for Crystal" signs down, and then many of the signs were found in the trash.
1: Holy shit! My jaw dropped whenever Kelly said that. I just sat here and looked at her. Yeah, that's nuts.
0: What good reason would anyone have for taking signs down that say "Pray for Crystal"? Like, I know that there are other signs around town that literally directly implicate Brooks. Signs like "quote Brooks Hauk is the only" in all caps. Suspect in the disappearance of Crystal Rogers, and quote Nick knows what happened. End quote. And quote detectives say Brook Brooks Hauk killed Rogers. These signs exist in Bardstown, so I can understand wanting those signs down, innocent or not. But to take down the ones that say "Pray for Crystal" mm-hmm. just like screams guilty to me.
1: Guilty or mad, insecure.
0: Really, really insecure. Like just a, t- a problem. Just knowing this by itself, she seems like the kind of guy who would she like start like dating or she seems like the kind of girl who would start dating a deadbeat dad and be like, oh, his ex-baby mama just never lets him see the kids and just like, you know, sticks up for him even though he's just a dirtbag. Like she just gives off those vibes.
1: That's the energy you're getting.
0: No, that's the energy she gives <laughs> off. I mean, like, like Okay, <laughs> sure.
1: All right, that's the energy. Got it.
0: So anyway, moving on Sergeant Ryan Johnson with the Kentucky state police does not believe that the murders of Jason Ellis, Kathy and Samantha Netherland, and the disappearance of crystal are connected whatsoever, but they also wouldn't comment on crystal's case because it wasn't in their jurisdiction. I think it's obvious that the murder of Tommy Ballard was connected to crystal because he was getting close to finding some sensitive information regarding crystal's disappearance even he felt like he was really on to something and whoever was responsible for crystal's disappearance and probable murder knew it too cuz she's presumed to be dead obviously she has not been found but at this point it's presumed that she's dead and you know there's been talk about it being like a hunting accident and i think that is just so insulting this was so very clearly not an accident use your head this was not an accident
1: yeah it sounds that's a ridiculous Story.
0: Yeah. And even if it was an accident, then why not come out and say that? Why why run off to the Bluegrass Parkway, hop into a vehicle and take off? I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously this was a planned attack. On July twenty third of twenty twenty, the Nelson County Sheriff's Office became aware of remains found in a remote area near the Hauk family farm. And this felt like a huge break in the case. Could this be Crystal? It took until November, four months, to determine that the remains did not belong to Crystal, which was just another crushing blow to her family.
1: Longest four months ever if you were her family.
0: Mm -hmm. Sherry has not been allowed to see her grandson Eli in years. The custody dispute between her and Brooks is still ongoing, but as of 2021, she had been denied visitation based on accusations that she had said something bad about Brooks in front of Eli, an accusation that Sherry denies. But also, why wouldn't she have animosity towards this man who didn't help her look for Crystal, who has been evasive regarding questions about her disappearance, who has kept Eli from seeing his family, Crystal's side of the family, since day one? You know, I'm not saying Sherry did talk about Brooks in front of Eli, okay? I'm not saying that she did, but I'm also not saying I would blame her if she did, because that is a lot to deal with.
1: Not calling the morning of, failing the lie detector.
0: Yeah, red flag after red flag, and I just think that Sherry deserves a lot more respect than what she's been given. I mean, she's missing her daughter, and now she's missing, like, one piece of her daughter that was left, and that's Eli. And I feel like that's only hurting Sherry and Eli in the end. But not only that, his other siblings, she had four other kids who miss Eli and would probably love to see Eli also. Like, you're just, I don't know, I feel like a move like that is just so incredibly selfish. I agree with that. So in August of 2021, the FBI carried out a search in the Woodlawn Springs subdivision in Bardstown, which is where Brooks Brooks House Construction Company built several houses there after Crystal's disappearance. And then on August 30th, the FBI out of Louisville released a statement saying, quote, during the course of our search thus far, multiple items of interest have been uncovered. Initial analysis shows they are potentially relevant to the investigation into the disappearance of Crystal Rogers. The items have been sent to the FBI laboratory in Quantico, Virginia, for further forensic analysis, end quote. In October of 2022, FBI agents searched the 245-acre Haug family farm. But as of the recording of this podcast, there have been no arrests made in the case of Crystal Rogers, Tommy Ballard, Jason Ellis, Kathy Netherlands, or Samantha Netherlands. And in such a small town with a population between thirteen and 14,000, it is astonishing to me that these murders have all gone, gone unsolved. Rather than being known for its beauty and small town southern charm, it's also widely known as a place where you can practically get away with murder.
1: Yeah, understandably so after all this.
0: Yeah. So if there are ever any updates on this case, you can be sure to find them here. Um, I will keep you updated as they come. I mean, I'm, I'm relieved to hear that the search continues, that the FBI is still active in this case and involved in this case. Mm-hmm. I think something is going to come of it at some point. But my fear, which there was a there's like a six or seven part documentary on um, oxygen that is solely dedicated to Bardstown, Kentucky, Crystal's case, and the other cases too. And they really dive in um, and do like a deep, deep dive into this case. So this is just a quick summary. But um, one of the things that I thought was really, um, that really stood out to me that was mentioned is that somebody who has the the mental capacity to snipe someone from a tree line that is involved in like the disappearance of his own daughter, that's a sick individual and they don't just stop there. People who are that like deranged essentially don't just stop at one or two. They're going to go to any lengths
1: to make sure they cover up whatever they need to.
0: Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before someone gets a little bit closer to figuring out what happened to Crystal and then they disappear as well. So hopefully something gets solved quickly and that you know the people of bardstown can sleep a little better at night feeling safe like they should in this small town usa
1: i think a missing person case is like gosh it's all gut-wrenching like those mm-hmm. are the words that come to mind heartbreaking but man a missing person like to m- just have somebody go missing that you love and always have to wonder and make the assumption that they've passed but not know mm-hmm. god that would just be horrible like yeah. the lack of closure and the the unknown would be really, really mm. tough. So I feel for that family.
0: I really I cannot even imagine being the Ballard family. Like Casey, Brooke, Sherry, I can't imagine being any of them. To lose your sister in such a like disturbing and bizarre way mm-hmm. with no closure, like you said, like you have no idea where on earth she could be. Yeah. And then to lose your father in such a like cruel way, right in front of Trenton, just I cannot I these are real people. This is a real family who, you know, eats together, laughs together. You know, they spend time together. They spend holidays without their loved ones and they have no idea why or what happened to them. Like these are these could be our neighbors. This could be us.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah.
0: It's heartbreaking.
1: Wild shit.
0: All right. Well, we will catch you back on Friday for a new episode of Headlines. We're working on those headlines this week. Do you have a good t- a good positive story for Headlines? Prepared? Guarantee
1: you I'm going to. <laughs> Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.